Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. Jumping right in, Revelation chapter 2, the new guy, Revelation. We're not going the, the creatures with 13 eyes and everything. I don't know about all that, all right? This, I'm going to leave that for somebody a lot smarter, but we are going to start in chapter 2. John is writing the letter, a letter to the seven churches, and we're going to start in verse 1 through 3 with the church of Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So we see that the church of Ephesus, we're going to stop there for a second. We see that the church of Ephesus on the outside is a pretty decent church, right? If you were new to the area, someone might recommend that church. They do great works. They persevere for the gospel. They, uh, they are all about the right things on the outside, a new person may even consider moving their letter there, which, by the way, I, I, I mean, I know I'm a little on the younger side, but I've never even seen a letter, all right? <laughs> this may upset some of y'all, but I, I mean, we've had people call the church asking for their letter. I mean, we got to write them. I mean, I don't know what a letter is. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what's a letter? Well, your, your initials? I don't know. You may consider moving your letter there to this church. Sorry, I'm off on it. Chapter 2, verses 4. Let's pick up there. This is the kind of church it is, though, right? It's a good church. You come in, and it's like, I could get along with this. Worship seems good. They're doing Hurricane Ida relief. This is the kind of church it is on the outside. Picking up in verse 4. But I have this against you. Oh, boy that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So we have this church doing all the good things, and John's calling them out on their complacency. He's saying, you do these things, but you've lost the affection you had at first. You've lost the love you had at first. Another way of putting it is maybe you've lost your zeal for God. Or maybe you've just gotten comfortable and forgotten the depths from which you've been called out of. Right? Uh, 
I don't know if that hits the nail on the head for any of you, but it does. For me, I've been there. Uh, if you know me or you don't, a little bit about me is uh, I've grown up in church my whole life. Uh, my mom, my dad is, was in ministry his, his whole life here uh, for a lot of it. And for the most part, uh, our family was all, all good, you know. Uh, I never really wandered, you know. I, was no, I don't have a prodigal son necessarily story to tell. I don't have a road to Damascus story to tell. And on the outside, I may have looked like I had it all together, except for when it came to things like traffic violations. All the cops in the room were like, yeah, this is that guy. I don't know if there's any cops in the room. Listen, I promise, this is, this is a true story. I've told this story a lot, and people are like, there's no way that happened. That's illegal. Well, I, I, it happened. It's like nobody can convince me otherwise. It's like seeing, seeing Jesus resurrected. Like, you're not convincing me otherwise. It happened to me. I got pulled over out of the drive-thru of McDonald's <laughs> for not wearing a seatbelt. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. It was after Johnson West Hall, my senior year of high school. I remember like it was yesterday. It's caught behind me. I'm thinking nothing about it. I'm getting my double, McDouble at the time, I guess. No onions. Blue lights. I'm like, what? He didn't even get his food. He just pulls in. I pull over. I'm not kidding. This actually happened. This is the kind of look I had. You know, I wasn't, you know, I'm not running off and, and you know, doing the deepest, darkest stuff, but I had, I had run-ins like this all the time. Later, uh, about a year later, in one week, I got two tickets back-to-back, -back, uh, one for rolling through the stop sign in a Publix, and the other for rolling through the stop sign at, on campus at my college in the parking lot. Like, <laughs> rolling through the stop sign in the parking lot. I know none of y'all stop at par parking lot stop signs. So that one, that one, the spree of parking of, of tickets landed me with community service. All right, this is the most trouble I've ever been, I've ever, I've ever had. 40 hours of community service for this. You know what I did? I went to a nature reserve and I picked up pine cones for 40 hours. <laughs> if you, you want to feel worthless and like you're accomplishing nothing, Walk around with a thingy, picking up pine cones for 40 hours. I mean, you don't make a dent. I mean, you don't make it. There's pine cones everywhere. You don't make a dent. That's what I did for 40 hours. I'm sorry. I, I really got to get back to this or we're going to be here. I say that to say that's like the extent of the trouble that I had gotten in. But the reality of when, when God finally opened my eyes to the depths from which he had brought me and saved me from. Everything changed for me. He called me out of my complacency. He called me out of my lack of affection for him because my eyes were open to see what he had actually done for me. As 2 Timothy chapter 3 would have put it, I had the appearance of godliness, pastor's kid, but I denied the power by how I lived. And this is where I'm afraid a large majority of the Church of America is today. 
if we're honest. I think a large majority of the church in America and maybe even some of us can fall into this category. And I pray that today, by addressing this, that we could, as a church, see it for what it is and run in the opposite direction of that, towards the grace and the mercy of Jesus. So this is where we're going today. Buckle up. Matthew chapter 25. If you want to turn there, it's like, here goes the new guy again. Parable of the ten virgins. going to let that sit for a second. Actually, that has nothing to do with that. It's fine. <laughs> Revelation. I'm on a roll. It's probably be the last time you see me do this. We're going to be in the whole verses 1 through 13. Okay, so we see Jesus is telling a parable here. If we don't know what a parable is, it's just a story that Jesus is telling to illustrate a point. We're going to start in verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Now, I'm no expert, and I'm not as smart as a lot of people. There's probably people who can tell you, you know, when exactly this is going to happen. You know, people argue whether, you know, it's before the second coming of Jesus. I'm not here to do that today, but I am here to give you a little bit of backstory. This is just a ceremony that took place uh, whenever a bride and a bridegroom were getting married. So what would happen is uh, all of all the bridesmaids would grab lamps and they would go out in the streets and they would escort the bridegroom at his time of arrival to where the house where the bride was. So that's what's happening. Just so we're clear has nothing to do with virgins. Verse two, five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. There's a couple things that we see here, and neither one of them are like, wow, that's revelation. They're both very simple, all right? I'm a simple kind of guy. The first thing is that all of the people who were a part of the ceremony had lamps. You're like, no brainer, man, (laughs) says it. Everyone a part of the ceremony had lamps because in those days, if you were on the street during this ceremony, you didn't have a lamp, you would have been considered a robber or a part of a street gang who was meant to like ramsack the the ceremony and to disrupt the ceremony. Okay, you would have been obviously not a part of what was going on and everyone would have been able to see it. There was very clear distinction in the people that had lamps And the people who did not have lamps. Let's keep reading in verse 5. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, 
Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy some for yourself. So what happens when the groom shows up? Everybody rises. They grab their lamps. They trim their lamps. Which if you don't know what that means, I had to look it up. I don't, I don't do oil lamps anymore. Maybe some of you do. If they trim their lamps, it means they just trim the wick so that it was easy to light, right? It would burn. There's three different ways to light it, by the way. It's irrelevant, but that's what I learned. Three different, three different ways to trim it, and they all do different flames, if you're ever wondering. It's pretty cool. Not to anybody else. Trim their lamps. They get up to trim their lamps because the groom's coming, right? They got to trim their lamps so they can, they can be prepared to light it when the groom comes, okay? Another thing, the foolish are going through the same motions as the wise, even though they have no oil. The foolish go through the same motions as the wise, knowing good and well they don't have any oil. How many people are going through the motions trying to Trying to blend in with the people with the oil. Trying to blend in to the people who are waiting on the return of Jesus. Saying, they got my, I got my lamp. It's got a fresh wick. Just trimmed it. Freshly trimmed. So they quickly realize their lamp's not going to light. I mean, they're not. They're, they're foolish, so they're, they're foolish. But they know that their lamp's not going to light when they try and there's no oil. So what do they do? They ask the wise for some of their oil. Can I borrow some, can I borrow some of your oil? <laughs> Let me put it in different words. Coming in church, I've got, my oil, I've got my lamp here. I don't have a lamp. I, I almost borrowed one, but I don't have one. I've got my lamp. I'm coming into church. I was here on time today. Trim my wick. Trim my wick. I had a pretty good day this morning. Uh, I mean, I've already been in the Word this morning a little bit, but it was really just my daily devotional. I don't really know what it says, but check off the box. Trim my wick a little bit more. It's ready to light. And then when it comes time to actually interact with the king of the universe, to be in communion with the one who has made us, our lamps won't light. And so we come to church, we're like, Brian, oil please. Worship team. Oh, I like that song. Oil! But my lamp won't light. My wick's trimmed. Let me ask this question of us today. What is our expectation and how are we preparing? And it's twofold. The first is 
for the coming of Jesus because that is, ha that is going to happen. Jesus is going to come back. And there's going to be a time when the people who are holding their lamps, in a second, we're going to see that they're, that they're left out because they don't have any oil. But I think, it's, I think it's more than that today. The question is, how are we ex expecting and preparing on a daily basis? It's not just for that one day when the groom comes and we light the way, but it's on a daily basis. How, how is your affection today for Jesus? Are you just waiting around trying to blend in with everybody else? Are you actually filling yourself with oil and a little bit of extra in case I run out? This has convicted me all week. Do we have a longing zeal for the bridegroom to come in the future and to meet with him and to dine with him today? The difference in those two types of people, we see the difference in the people who don't have lamps. Everybody knows, like, they're, they're heathens. They're clearly here to disrupt things. But the people who all have lamps, those two types of people, the distinction is very slight, but it is eternally, the, the, the ramifications are eternal. And the difference is slight. So if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, or maybe you have one by word, but you don't actually enjoy him, you don't actually need him or feel like you need him, you don't actually love communicating and communing and dining with him, then it doesn't matter if we're just carrying our lamps around waiting on the day because that can be even more dangerous than not having a lamp at all. The passage wraps up in verse 10. Told you this wasn't going to be fun. While they were going to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is one of the scariest passages in Scripture, right? I mean, we see something like this in a lot of different places in Scripture, and we don't have time to do it today. But when they return, they come to the door with their lamp, and it's like, Lord, Lord, I got my lamp. It's got oil in it now. And the Lord says, truly, truly, I say to you, I do not know, know you. Because it didn't matter if they had lamps, and they had it figured out on the outside. But all this time, they had no affection for him. They didn't have any understanding of what they had been called out of present day, what they had been called out of, what they had been saved from. And so they just bought into this religion of coming to church, praying before meals, 
not watching this, not doing that, voting this way, not voting this way, not, you name it. They've bought into this, and at the end of the day, when it came time to enter in, he said, I didn't know you. And that's wrecked me all week. And everybody's like, man, this is doom and gloom. This guy's an idiot. I mean, why would he preach on this, you know? This is his, this is his one time. There is good news in this. If you're in the group of the wise today, you're like, thank you, Lord, because you have this zeal for God. You have affections for God because you understand that you've been bought with a price and that you were once dead and now you're alive. And so you have reason to give your life to Jesus and you have zeal for him and you have a little bit of extra too, by the way. You don't just have enough to light the lamp. You have a little bit of extra. But this could be devastating to you if you find yourself in, the one, in one of the other two categories. You could, be, you could not have a lamp at all. Or you could be one that has your lamp and you have had it for your whole life. But you never responded to who Jesus is. And so we're going we're gonna to close. I told you I'd be quick. In Luke chapter 15. I love this passage of scripture. It's my favorite in the whole Bible. True, honest to goodness, it is. Uh, usually, usually we talk uh, about the story of the prodigal son. Um, and we are a little bit. But today I'm going to focus on something a little bit different. But to catch us up, if you don't know the story or you need a, a refresher, here it is. All right. So basically... Uh, there's a father and his two sons. The father is very wealthy. He's very rich. He has everything this world could have to offer in terms of wealth and what the world would consider, uh, I don't know, a goal to achieve, right? This is, this is what the father represents. And we have two sons. The, we see the youngest asks for in, his inheritance early. So the father's like, sure, go and take it. The son takes it, and he blows it on reckless living. Uh, we see that he blows it on prostitutes, on other things, and he's just living a reckless, godless life. And we see that he ends up sleeping with the pigs. It's a bad place to be, sleeping with the pigs. He comes to his senses one day, and he's like, wait a second, I can go back to my father's house, and I can be a servant in his house and be treated better than this. And I can have everything that I could ever want and, and just serve him for, all, for the rest of my days and just be a servant. So he decides to get up and walk back to the house full of shame. And we know that the father sees him from a long way off. Don't have time for that. Hello. The father sees him for a long, from a long way off and he comes running to him. He puts on him a ring and a robe and shoes on his feet and he tells the servants to go kill the fattened calf because this son of mine who was once dead is now alive. And it's this amazing story of forgiveness and grace and mercy and it shows the father's heart in, in a specific way in a way that a lot of us are like, yes, I love that. He saves the prodigal. Prodigal's not me, but he saves the prodigal. 
But I want us to focus in on the older brother today, the long-forgotten older brother. We're going to start in verse 25. Here we go. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. Pause. This man's out in the field, and he heard music and dancing. You want to talk about a party? They don't have electricity. They don't have all the loudspeakers. Okay? They got instruments, voices, and foot stomps. You know? this is, they got no amplification. And the kind of party they're having is he heard it in the fields. He's like, what's going on at the house? This is the kind of party they're throwing. When's the last time we partied like that, you know? Because the prodigal had returned. I mean, we ought to party more. I mean, this ain't no, I don't have time for it. This ain't, that's a party. I mean, they don't even hear us at the Presbyterian church, and we got these speakers. <laughs> hear them in the field. I could go all day about that. Pick it up. Here we go. Verse 26, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. What are they doing? And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answers his father, look, these many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never even gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. The younger brother had already blown his, his half of the inheritance. Okay, He divided it up evenly. So literally everything on this property, everything the father owns is the older brother's. It's his. The fattened calf party, the money to buy the dancers. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, you know, like the party, I don't know what they're doing, but everything is his. It's inherited because he was his son. Everything is his. He was angry and refused to go in. So his father came out and entreated him. Entreated just literally means to beg, to persuade, to plead with. Son, will you please come in? I know you're mad. I know I killed your fattened calf to celebrate with everybody, your, your brother returning. But would you please come in and celebrate with us? And we see the response of the brother is, No. You never even gave me a goat. Of all the things, you never gave me a goat. And so immediately we see see the heart of the older brother exposed. Years of obedience and years of doing as the father asked and doing the right thing and coming to church and doing the deal, years and years 
of doing this. And at the first sign of not getting what he wants, he says, no, I don't want any part of you. And we see that the older son was just as lost as the younger son. He needed just as much saving as the younger son. While the younger son was out blowing everything, the older son was doing exactly what he had been brought up to do. Obeying his father's commands. But he had no love and no affection for his father. He just wanted his father's stuff. What a sad place to be because the father's standing there saying, everything I have is yours. Everything you see is yours. And you want a goat? You want your preference? Did you stay and obey me because you wanted a goat? If you're like me, we're a lot more like the older brother than we'd like to admit. And while we don't have a story of a prodigal, maybe, maybe you do, I hope you do, and you've been redeemed from that, but maybe, maybe you don't, and maybe, maybe you're still that older brother today. Look at the father's heart. He walks outside, leaves the banging party, the best party. I would like to think he was having some Wagyu steaks. I don't know if they had Wagyu back then. Leaves the party and he comes outside and he says, come in. Come in, son. Come in and dine and feast with us. So if you're that older son today, or maybe you used to be, maybe you used to be the older son. Can I tell you today that you have a story just as powerful as the prodigal? Because you were just as lost and just as in need of the father's love and forgiveness for you. And maybe by the power of the Holy Spirit today, you've been convicted today that you are the older brother or maybe you're one of the bridesmaids with your lamp and you've come in here once again hoping it was Brian <laughs> Brian <laughs> oil please it's me and the father's heart is just the same today as it was in Luke chapter 15 He's standing there saying, come in. It's not too late. Come in and feast because everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. And he can do that. He can do that. He can stand at the door and ask you to come in after all these years because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. There had to be the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. 
And through Jesus, the spotless lamb, that was done on your behalf and on my behalf. So that the father could stand, he could leave the feast, he could leave the banquet, leave the party behind, and he could come to the door and he could look you in the eye after you ask for your goat and say, everything I have is yours. Come in. Come in and feast. So that's the, that's the invitation today. Do you want to come in and feast? Do you want joy forevermore because of knowing the love of God? Or do we want to just keep walking through it, hoping we don't ever have to light our lamp because there's no oil to be found? Father says, come and feast. Come and dine with me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org. And don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.